So if you've ever wondered what it would be like to have a large portfolio, now I'm talking billions of dollars of assets. If you've ever wondered what that would be like, pay attention to this episode upcoming. Let's go. Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. You know, I don't know about you, but I at least I enjoy listening to that opening theme song and the opening message of this podcast. The guy that did the recording for that just has such amazing, has such an amazing voice. I hired him literally just off of I was watching some YouTube videos and I think he goes under the name Booth Junkies. I think it was Booth Junkies. And I just said, it's almost goodness. It was like the voice of God that I was listening to. So you know what? I reached out to him. Um, and lo and behold, for very little money, I think it was only like 50, it was either 50 or 75 bucks. You can get him to do some, some voiceover work for you. So it's just amazing the economy that we live in to have these kind of resources of people. Truly, the world is a, an opportunity that you can hire incredible talent to help you out with. And speaking of that, um, as we dive into further into a lot more podcast episodes, I've been recommending this book to a lot of people lately. So I'm going to do this up front here for everybody before we dive into and I set up today's podcast episode. So if any of you guys have ever heard the name Dan Sullivan, Dan Sullivan is a wonderful um, coach and trainer out of actually, I think he lives in Toronto. And I think he also has a place in Chicago as well. He owns a company called Strategic Coach. I've uh, followed Dan Sullivan's work for many, many years. But it's interesting to note is he just has released a new book called Who Not How. And I've been recommending this to all my coaching clients, been recommending this to everybody within my inner circle community. I strongly encourage each and every one of you to get to pick up this book. Now, I'm going to try not to make this sound very hypey and hyperbole, hypo, hypo, hyperbole, hyperbole, hyperbolous, hyperbole. Uh, this book, after I read it, it just spoke so clearly to me. It now sits on my personal uh, development shelf right between Think and Grow Rich and Rich Dad, Poor Dad as books that change the way I looked, look at things. So who not how Dan Solomon and Dr. Benjamin Hardy can't recommend it enough. Okay, so let's get into this. Let's set this one up. I'm going to set this one up. Um, first of all, I'm going to start it off with usually what I do is with a little bit of a story to set up this podcast episode. Uh, where, how far back and how deep do I go with the story? Well, anyways, so... Many of you would know that we're having a, a global pandemic ever since early 2020, um, whether it was January or February, or March, kind of things really kind of kicked into gear here within Canada and North America really around mid-March. Um, at that time, what I chose to do is what I wanted to do is I wanted to go back and I wanted to seek out mentors. I wanted to seek out people with a lot more experience than I have. Now, understand this, I'm 20 years in the business you know, I've transacted, you know, close, close, if not more than 100 properties, uh, millions and millions of dollars of transactions, and, you know, 20 years in the business, and I've been trained by some of the best of the best. I've been trained by some of the people I would consider to be giants in this industry. And I still feel at times that I don't know anything, and I'm still that I'm just getting started, which is part of my mindset of I always want to have a beginner's mindset which I highly recommend you go back to that episode to listen to that one. If you have not listened to Beginner's Mindset, it is a very good um, lesson for you, for each of us to learn. So 
I was going back and I was seeking out wisdom, people with 30, 40 or more years of experience who've had big ups and downs and things like that through market conditions. Now, I've been through some major, major market conditions and I've shared a lot of the stories and in a couple of the upcoming episodes, you will hear some of those mistakes. Either you've, you've, you've heard a few of them or you will hear them. So if you're a subscriber of this podcast, you will have gotten to know a lot about myself and, and you will have got to know a lot about the portfolio and a lot about the mistakes I've made. You know, I, I believe that we're forming um, a relationship and I'm honored that you choose to want to be part and listen to this podcast and, um, you know, I, I enjoy the long form a little bit more, the, the more in-depth conversations, because then we can form a relationship and you can actually get to know the people that you're, you know, you're listening to. And, and I hate the term follow, but, you know, it, it does kind of fit here is you get to know a little bit more of the people that you follow. You get to follow their work. You get to follow their um, philosophies. You get to follow a lot of their um, insights, but, you know, better than follow, maybe it's um, you get to build upon and you get to stand on their shoulders. And that's what I'm trying to accomplish here is by giving you an incredible pair of shoulders, sturdy shoulders that you can stand upon when you are going out and you are taking your action and you are negotiating your deals and you're having conversations with investment partners and realtors and mortgage brokers and bankers and all kind of stuff like that, that you're standing on my shoulders. Now understand that I have stood on some major giants' shoulders and you get to have all the benefit of that by us having this relationship through our podcast, through my podcast. So by all means, please share this. Please subscribe. Please leave a review. Okay, back to the story for this one. Um, so it was in March and April when I decided to start reaching out to people. And one of my good friends, Mr. Dave Steele, uh, Western Wealth, Western Canadian Properties Group, um, they go by a couple different names. Um, you know, he's 40 years in the business. Dave and I have done multiple things together on, on stage. We've also done some really deep um, work together for, for um, interviews. And he's been a contributor to the Raising Capital Academy on multiple occasions. So I reached out to Dave to just have a conversation about this. But now, so I am dating this. This was recorded in early April 2020. Now, I'm releasing this probably in 2021. And some of you guys are going to be going, well, Russ, why are you waiting a year to release this? Well, here's, here's the funny part of the story. I thought this recording was lost uh, because Dave and I did it on Zoom. I, I streamed it into the Raising Capital Academy, into our private Facebook group. And... Um, I forgot to hit the, the record button on my end for a long time. It was probably about 20, 22 minutes in, and I forgot to hit the record button. And I thought the, the recording was garbage that I did have. It just didn't make sense. It didn't, it didn't have a lot of the context and setup. So I thought the, the recording was lost. So I was mentioning this to somebody, and somebody said, you know, if you did stream it into Facebook, Facebook probably has a copy of it somewhere in there. And so lo and behold, uh, you know, to make this story long story, painfully short, it was took a lot of finagling and, and I actually had to hire somebody to go in to find a way to go into the Facebook Live group to be able to download it. And I was able to download a low resolution version of the first part. So I had a, a good part of the back part and I had the first part. So you know what? I had enough that I could cobble it together, gave it to the team and said, guys, can you do something with this? And lo and behold, they worked their magic. Now I'm going to tell you up front that the, um, 
Audio will be a little bit suspect at times. It'll be a little bit shaky, especially if you're going to watch this on video. I did capt. I did eventually get something on video, and I will put that on the YouTube channel, but will probably come out. But the good news is, you know, my stickler to attention that I wanted to have something. I always want to put out something of very high quality, and I didn't feel comfortable putting something out if it was really shoddy quality. I'm getting over that because this message is that good. It really is. So... You guys get an opportunity to look into and hear from a person that has built a multiple $2 billion business and how he looks at going through the navigating of the times that we're in. Interesting to note, now that we get to go back and I get to go back and listen to this, how many of the predictions and things that we talked about are actually coming true? Talking about a second wave, a second lockdown, all those kind of things are coming true. Now... Sometimes the hindsight is we get to have that benefit of hindsight and we get to learn from others. So, you know, I'm that's about all I'm going to say to set this up. But this is a really amazing look at somebody who owns a multiple billion dollar portfolio on how they're navigating the waters. So, guys, I sure hope you enjoy this and stick around right to the end. I got a message for you at the very end. Enjoy. Dave, the most important question I'm going to ask you today is, have you watched Tiger Kings? I have not. Oh, good. <laughs> watched a couple episodes, lost me eventually. Uh, but have you watched The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan? Oh, yeah. Um, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Fantastic. That, I'm a, such a fan of the human performance. And Michael Jordan is just, you know, pardon my language, guys. He is just badass. Like, that is just... And when you're talking about the greatest of all times, he truly could be the greatest of the greatest of all times. Right? You've enjoyed it. I very much have. Very much have. Like, I didn't even know half the stuff that this guy did. And it was just like, there's there's no comparison to anybody else like Michael Jordan. Oh. Anyways, Dave Steele. First of all, Dave, welcome to uh, the recording here today. How are you doing? How are you holding up, Dave? Doing well. Thanks, Russell. Appreciate it. Yeah, the family doing well? Everybody good? Everyone's good. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's getting, healthy. Getting through this. BC's reopening slowly and Arizona's reopening this week and Texas is reopening. So we're, we're kind of in a, I mean, it's all moved to a brand new phase, right? Yeah. And uh, I believe I read something that you had posted a little while ago that you had somebody, a, a close, either family friend or somebody that was uh, lost a life through this whole uh, challenging times. No, a good friend of mine from like grade five okay. was tested positive in Ontario. I think he was case number 180 or something, and uh, he's fully recovered now. So, you know, a bit of a scare when it's kind of that close and somebody, somebody you know, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm glad uh, Glad everybody's healthy and safe. And, you know, we're going to leave the commentary about whether this was the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do, it was, it's what has happened. And as Todd Bertuzzi would say, it is what it is. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> uh, so, so guys, um, some context and some background to what I'm trying to do here with uh, supporting a lot of real estate investors is I went through some challenging times and some crises before, and I thought I knew everything. I buried my head in the sand. I ignored a lot of messages. I played small. I, I made a whole bunch of mistakes. And I vowed my, this time, through this challenging time, I would not do the same thing again. And one of the things I wanted to do was to seek wisdom and to find people that have done significantly more than I've done, that have been in the market a lot longer than I have, 
And Dave Steele is one of those people that have probably had every real, all the real estate investors combined, you probably have done as much action as they've done. So, so Dave, um, for people that might not know who you are, can you just give a real quick Cole's notes about uh, who Dave Steele is and what uh, Western uh, Wealth Capital is all about? Yeah, thanks. I mean, we are the, um, we're the second largest multifamily apartment owner in Phoenix. Um, over the last six years, my partner Janet LePage and I have acquired about 15,000 apartment units in Phoenix, Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, and Atlanta. So we pretty simple formula. We buy, we fix them up. And, um, you know, we've got some very unique things. And one of the things we've been able to do is we've created a formula and a system where our renovations, where we do them really, really fast. Um, we have about 1,400 high net worth clients that invest with us pretty much deal after deal. Um, and along with our high net worth clients and a group of institutional clients, we've raised about 700 million of equity over the last six years. Wow. So it's been kind of a wild ride. Um, and we also in, in Canada, uh, we're building brand new purpose-built rental buildings and condo buildings uh, in Victoria, up in Fort St. John, Mission, Campbell River, and Surrey. So we've got a kind of a development arm in Canada. Um, and, uh, and, you know, 2020 was going to be our biggest year ever for Western Wealth. Um, obviously, uh, we'll see where it ends up. I think it'll still be a pretty phenomenal year. Um, but this is um, this has definitely been a learning curve. What we've all gone through here in the last ninety days. Only well, first of all, Dave, um, right. I, I take it you've said that little spiel a few times today. No, not today. I just you know I just I guess I've when I when I'm talking to a lot of our larger institutional investors, I guess after a while you get it down to what the what do they say the elevator presentation or the you know the three or four sentences that really encapsulates what we do. Let me ask you a question, and, and maybe you've uh, um, maybe you've never asked this of this of you. Does does it sound a little surreal when you say some of those some of those numbers? Like, does oh, it no. does it? Do you have to pinch yourself at some time and sit there and go like fifteen thousand units? You know, seven hundred million capital raised, fourteen hundred investors. Like, 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 does it get a little a little surreal? Well, it was funny because yeah, it totally does. I mean, it was funny because you know we're constantly on the phone talking to large investors, right? And through this process, um, you know, you're really calling people to update them, but you're really not calling that many brand new investors. I mean, we're trying to build some new relationships because obviously there's going to be some opportunities coming out the other end of this. But, you know, I'm talking to someone on a call and, you know, and I said, yeah, well, you know, we've, we've bought about $1.8 billion worth of real estate. And at the end of the call, Janet calls me and she goes, Dave, 2.1 billion, you're off by a little bit. And I go, okay, well, you know, so, but you know, you, when you're not doing it every day, you kind of, you know, lose track a little bit of the numbers, but yeah, it is totally surreal. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, again, it's the, the math of it all is how do you find a formula? You know, it's really ours is very formula based what we do. And so, you know, I tell everyone, if you're going to get into real estate, find something that you can do as a formula, because you want to make sure that what you when you do it the first time, you gain some benefit of really being good at a repeatable part. Yeah. And and one of the main reasons why I wanted to reach out to you, Dave, was, you know, you've been in and we've you and I, it's interesting. I'm looking at your beautiful backdrop there of your beautiful home in West Vancouver, mm -hmm. And you and I did a standing on the shoulders of giants interview just on the other side of you over there in front of the fireplace. And, and guys, if you're watching this, that, that video is still to be edited. It's almost done, but that'll be like a part two of this. 
Um, but one of the reasons is because you've been doing this for 40 years. Is that correct? And, and is that how long it's been? Pretty close. Yeah, pretty close. So you started when you were seven. Is that uh, correct? Yeah, I've had, a, I've had a long career. Just turned 60. So yeah, I've been at, been at this for a while. Yeah. And, and one of the reasons why I wanted to reach out to you, the main reason is because of, uh, I want to seek people that have had experience that have gone through multiple challenging times like this, like, like with no, this, this next point is not a point of any judgment or any of the kind of stuff, but it, it's hard for somebody that's been investing for in real estate for like five years or even 10 years that have only seen a market that's gone straight up in value and they probably just don't have a perspective of looking at things through a lens of what can happen in the marketplace, right? So have you had a few uh, challenging markets that you've invested into, Dave? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, if you really go back, you go back to 08 and you go back to all the different times. I don't think, I don't think we're going to see, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to say because it really depends the lens you're looking into in the future and what, what view you're coming out of today um, but you know, I don't think we're going to see the drop. Currently, I don't believe we're going to see the drop that we saw in '08. Um, but yeah, there's certainly been times where you know everyone's battened down their hatches. You know, I think the biggest difference here is that the government is really set on making sure that they're putting a lot of money into the system. I don't think Justin Trudeau is going to come out of this situation by not having spent his way out of it. If his solution is we have to spend money, I believe the government will spend as much as they have to to get to get everybody through this. Um, so, which was quite different than the last time that we went into a you know into a funky recession. Um, you know they weren't nearly as liberal with spending the money to get us out of it. Yeah, pun intended. Pun intended. Yes. <laughs> well, but then that in and and it's interesting. I just had a conversation with guys. If you're watching this live, uh, a couple hours ago with a, a fellow that we talked about inflation and deflation, and uh, and right now on the short term, his view is in the short term there's going to be some deflationary pressures because of um, all the people are going to be holding back. Everybody's going to be waiting and seeing. Everybody might pay off some debts, and everybody's going to be sitting on cash, and nobody there's going to be no velocity of money. Because quite frankly, you can't spend the money anywhere right now. And, but then after all that does come out, and we will come out, there's going to be an awful lot more currency in the marketplace. Totally agree. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, again, it's, you know, I think what we found out of this is, you know, your home is your home. And certainly a lot more people have paid rent than anybody thought. Um, and, you know, it, it's obviously very highly prioritized. And the government's put enough money into the system to make sure that rents were paid. Um, you know, again, there's a thousand ways you can look at the future. Do you believe there's going to be a second wave? Are we all going to be sheltering in place again in the fall? You know, or, or, is, or is this going to become a new normal and we're going to find a new normal way to work through this? But, but I think, you know, the one thing that's clearly come out of this is that housing is a priority. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't see that. I don't see that changing going forward. Right. Okay. Well, actually a perfect segue into something I wanted to talk to you about. And, and one of the things that a lot of investors are, are concerned about is tenants paying rent. And I know everybody has their own scenario and I'm just dealing with, you know, probably about, I had a couple move out, uh, midnight moves and I had some people that aren't paying and some short pays and, you know, things that we have to deal with. And, you know, it's a little bit of a, I call it a, a speed bump more than anything. It's kind of a pain in the backside, but have to deal with it. So with 15,000 units uh, under management that you guys have, how did you find uh, what has been the impact of your tenants paying your rents? 
So we've been really lucky. And I mean, first of all, I'd start with the multifamily sector. And I would say, you know, if you had your choice between commercial, industrial, retail, and multifamily, if you're a multifamily investor, uh, and maybe even an industrial investor, I think those are clearly the two better segments to be in in the real estate world, right? People say to me, well, Dave, what do you think about commercial? And, you know, probably the same reason most people don't invest in multifamily real estate is there's just so much fear around it if you don't know it. Oh my God, the tenants aren't going to pay. What am I going to go do? Well, April was all about, hey, the tenants aren't going to go. What am I going to pay? How am I going to make sure they get paid? And then all of a sudden, it wasn't about the tenants aren't going to pay. It was about, hey, I've got a building with 200 residents. I've got 20. I've got 10 of them that aren't answering their door. I've got another 10 that want to pay, but they don't know when they're going to get their check from the government. They've applied for rent relief. They don't know when they're going to get that check. So all of a sudden, the real system you're creating is not how do I get my rent collected, but what do I do for those 20 people, right? Do I gently move the worst people out? I can't really evict them, but I can certainly encourage them to move out. So what's my process for doing that? And so when we kind of got into into May, you know, where we're, April we collected 96% of our rents. I think by the time we're in May, we're certainly tracking and we track at five o'clock every day now. So now it's used to be a, hey, how much rent did we collect in a month? You wouldn't know. Now every day at five o'clock, we have a, a master chart circulates around. So like anything, you measure it, you're going to get a better result. Now you're really about, okay, it's not about what the percentage is. It's now what's your business plan for those people that aren't paying. Because you know, in the old days, you'd say, well, a midnight move, that's terrible. Today, you might say a midnight move is not bad because now I've got one more person who hasn't paid for a month or two. And I really, I'd rather have the unit empty and have them not living for another month for free. I'd, I'd rather have them move out. Now I can start dealing with turning the unit and thinking about renting it and really realizing, hey, I've got eight units to rent out, not not four. I have four units to rent plus four people that are never going to pay me. Well, at least if I get those people out, I can start layering back and dealing with the problem. Yeah, I, so, I chuckled in the, what you just mentioned because I had a conversation with one of my business partners and said, I would much rather have somebody who's not going to pay leave than to not pay and stay. Because they're still, because in some jurisdictions, you know, sorry, Ontario, but it could be six months, could be 18 months before <laughs> where somebody might leave. You never know. Right. I'm not putting it out there to anywhere, but it just, it's, I'd much rather if somebody ain't going to pay, please don't stay. Well, and again, you know, we had one of our asset managers brought up, he goes, Hey, let's not all pat ourselves on the back that we're at 96%. That's great. The real problem we should be dealing with is we have 20 people that didn't pay us. Now, what are we doing to collect from those 20? What are we doing? The ones that will never pay us to move them out. So, so really it just, it's about getting your focus so you can, you can really focus on the problem and a blessing that's probably going to come out of this for everybody is we actually now have tenants that want to pay their rent online. So if you're not building your system where the people are paying their rents online, so on the first of the month, you're taking a giant percentage of the work and it's automatically getting pulled into your bank account. If you're not using that opportunity today, then you're missing a huge opportunity to because this is going to change the business, right? I think I think, you know, if you if you told me six months ago, hey, we might be able to get fifty or sixty percent of our tenants paying their rent online, and it was a struggle to get that extra five percent. Today we're 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 gonna push to eighty five, ninety percent. And the tailwind is 
that the tenants want it. In the old days, it was a they didn't want it. So all of a sudden, you know, you fundamentally have this technology change. Um, and you know, another example, you you would never take a credit card for for paying rent. Oh my God, I don't want to bear that two or three percent credit card fee. Now, if you have someone who doesn't want to pay your rent, and they're going to give you a payment plan, and they offer to clear off their payment plan, and you don't have to phone and call them for the second payment, and they'll just clear it off and give you a credit card. How quick would you grab that credit card payment? Yesterday. Right? So so fundamentally there's things that if you're if you're if you're heads down in the business, you should be coming up with ways to operate this business better than everyone else. And I look at it the other way, if your head's not down, Russell, that's the guy whose property you're gonna be buying in the next six months or a year. Because the way the world's changing and the things that are changing, are there going to be more people calling into call centers to 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 deal with their rents? Uh, you know, to to reserve when you're looking when you're looking to rent a place, are you going to be dealing more with a call center or an on-site person? Well, this whole COVID has taken the on-site person to a large degree out of the out of the play. Like they're you, they're still doing showings, but you know we have showings now in the states where they show up on site and the person sitting in the leasing office and they talk to you via FaceTime and they walk you down to the to the show suite via FaceTime they're not beside you and you wa- they, the the prospective tenant walks into the show suite tours around talking to the leasing person the entire time on FaceTime goes through all the information and leaves and never has a a side by side tour anymore with the leasing person. So if you extrapolate that and you go, wow, maybe that's the future of where leasing is going to go. Maybe the, you say to the person, hey, I'm in Vancouver and your property is in, in Edmonton. Would you like to do a tour? Here's the address. There's a lockbox on the door. When you're at the property, call me on FaceTime and I'll let you in remotely and I'll tour you through the property. Right? So again, I think there's, I think fundamentally these things are going to change. So I look at the people that aren't changing with them. And I go, the people that are changing should they should they should exponentially blow by them in terms of business processes. And what that will do is that will take the people that aren't doing that and it will likely make them sellers. Because I keep saying that the people that are working at a full-time job every day, maybe you're a healthcare worker right now and you've you've really put in the hours. And at night, you come home at eight o'clock at night and you decide I'm going to deal with my portfolio. And you're, you know, you're just, you're just dealing with all this stuff and you're not really building it, improving it, making it easier, making it better. When you come out the other end, the question is going to be, do you really still want to own real estate? You know, the hassle of owning real estate for people that aren't changing, the hassle factor just got a lot worse. Yeah. And, and and you hit the nail on the head. It comes down to 100% into your business process. Right. Right. Um, adapt or die, truly. And people say to me, well, Dave, what do you think? What do you think the world's going to look like at the other end? I go, it's going to look like exactly what you, the way, it's not going to look like how I see it. It's going to look like how you see it, right? How I see it is, you know, I'm figuring out what, as a company, we're just constantly saying, how do we digitize the leases? How do we do virtual tours? How do we get online rent payment? How do we take these things that have been sort of 
pet projects and really make them part of our business process. And then I, then I think all the people that aren't doing that, how do I target and figure out? Because ultimately, I think a bunch of those people, the two doctors that live in Austin, Texas and own a building in Dallas that have been casually managing this building and let the property management look after it for them, they are very likely going to want to sell the building when this is all over. Hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting off air before we actually hit record. Uh, that's one of the things I was we were just chatting about is, and it goes in many different respects. It can go right down to a small single family operator, or all the way up to multi tens of thousands of units. Now, you had mentioned. Now, I might get it wrong, but in one of our Facebook uh, Messenger cor- corresponds back and forth, you said that you had done nine months of business processes in like six weeks or something you had implemented. Is that, is that what you were talking about there? Or what, or you brought in a, a new service or a new, a new system of doing business into, into your way? A whole new system. In fact, during this process, we were on track to open our own property management company down in Phoenix. And, um, and, you know, we thought about it. Hey, do we, do we put it on hold? What do we do? We sort of already hired the management team and we migrated 3,000 units and 10 properties onto our own property management team as of May 1st. So all of a sudden, and you know, our whole focus is we believe there's a better and a different way to do the property management. And so we really looked at it and said, probably not the ideal time to do this, but it's also the ideal time to do this because, because what we want to do is we want to lead in a half a dozen ways in the technology side that no one in the property management industry is doing. We want to put in a more sophisticated CRM. We want to you know, have a Salesforce type CRM because uh, the way people track the information on tenants is really terrible. The way, the, the way people store you know, leases is really terrible. So, so you know, if you look at it, and I don't think it changes whether you have one property, 10 properties, or 10,000 there's a lot of these systems that are really broken. And so we looked at it and said, you know, there's probably never going to be a right time to do it. Um, but, you know, it really it really triggered to us because one of the first calls we got is we got a call from a couple of the property managers. And the first thing they said is, we're closing all the leasing offices. We said, well, you know, guys, we generally get two or three leases a day. How can you just close the leasing office? Well, we don't want people coming in. So that's when we immediately turned and said, okay, well, what about virtual tours? What are other people doing? How do we do this? And, and so, so yeah, it really, it really has changed a lot of, it's really put to the forefront, a lot of the technology things that we wanted to do and a lot of the mindset changes. So, so Dave, are you saying, uh, I'm not, I'm not calling you old, but can, (laughs) so you can teach an old dog new tricks? Well, I'm lucky. Janet's a computer scientist and Eric and and Lance, who are kind of really drive the technology in our company are, are, you know, I I get the beauty of just telling them what I, what I really want it to do. You share the vision and execute. Well, I mean, it's everyone's vision. I, I'm not certainly not Mm. taking, but I, 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 I have a customer experience. I want to, I want to feel so I think of anything, that's really where I drive it. And I also look and I go, you know, I go, okay, another perfect example. What's the biggest single thing when you're looking to rent an apartment that didn't exist before that's going to exist now? Biggest single thing is tell me how you've cleaned this apartment mm-hmm. 
what's the standard you've cleaned this apartment, right? You know, Air Canada has now a thing called the Air Canada Clean Care Plus. So here's how we're preparing airplanes before you get on, right? Is it any different than the way that they used to do it? Don't know. All I know is that it's important enough to them to come up with a marketing idea. And so we're sitting there saying, hey, what's our healthcare, Gold Star Healthcare Clean Program, so that when you check into a unit, it's been commercially fogged, everything's been wiped down, here's the standard that it's been cleaned to. Because if I'm renting an apartment, I would say for a very large number of our prospective tenants, that's going to be as important as stainless steel appliances. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that. I had that conversation with my property manager yesterday. I was reading some of their ads that they had posted online. They said, guys, where where are you giving the the safety factor? Where are you telling um, high impact HEPA filters uh, been clean to an inch of its you know, life? And like you have to give people a safety feeling of people moving in. That's how you separate yourself above other units that are available for rent, right? Well, and I think it was Hilton, but Hilton, you know, about two weeks ago, they partnered with Lysol. So, you know, here's the largest hotel chain in the world. And again, probably even more significant than for those of us in the housing business is if I'm going to go stay in a hotel, I really want to be comfortable. So I think two things are going to happen. One is I think people are going to stay at higher end, three, four. If they were staying at three, three star hotels, they're probably going to move up to four star and five star because they're going to believe that the more expensive hotels are going to do a better job cleaning the rooms. Yeah. Is it true or not? I don't know. But I believe that, you know, most people will associate the higher price with getting that, with getting that better level of service. Yeah. Well, so did and I just want to make sure I get the number correct. You said you transitioned 3000 units, 3000 in how long of a time frame? Uh, well, we gave notice on April on uh, April first and took them over May first. Wow! So in thirty days, you guys transitioned three thousand units. So, so Dave, you're giving hope to everybody else that maybe is looking for they want to transition a management or do something that that you know if you're sitting there with thirty three units, man, <laughs> you guys did three thousand, right? Well, it can be done. It can, it can be done. And again, I think it all comes down to whatever you're going to go do. It's it's opening opening up to, you know, probably a great future topic for you to go down, Russell, is is where what are the technology pieces that really allow someone to do that to make this whole process easier, right? Well, do you, do you have anything that you can share? Maybe, you know, majority of my audience that'll be watching this will be, you know, a lot of single family homeowner, uh, home investors that have, you know, multiple dozen of properties. Some of them have a couple hundred, some of them have three, uh, things like that. What are some of the technologies you guys have uh, invested in, Dave? I mean, you know, ours starts at the starts at the accounting software, and then it goes to the CRM, and then it goes to the portal that communicates with the tenants, and then it goes with paying your rent online and then it goes with reporting what percentage of our tenants report online and then the CRM lets you get the leases so that the leases can be sent to them electronically so it, it really is just and you know the, like I said for some reason the property management world always seems to lag everywhere else in terms of bringing things in to solve these really big problems so you know, the the same the same companies and software companies that we deal with for 150 or a 300 unit 
are going to be different than someone who has five single yeah. family homes. But I will assure you that there are, you know, there's good portal software out there. There's good, there's good accounting software out there that ties with, um, you know, that, that ties into DocuSign. So it really is just sitting down and, and sort of, you know, flowing it out on a workflow and saying, yeah. what's, what software do I need that really works for me? Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, again, fundamental to all of this is there's now a tailwind of people that want to pay their rent online. Oh. Take away the, take away chasing people for rent because most of them have paid you online. And one massive part of operating a housing business just got easier. Well, and, and I would imagine, and I, I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you is, is typically somebody pays online, the funds are quite instant. Are they not? Correct. Correct. And, and that's just, it drives me nuts. Dave, I've pulled my hair out and I, to the point I have none left to pull out uh-huh. that one of my communication, my property manager is guys, why does it take me nine days to hear who hasn't paid or who's short paid? And they just walk into the process. Well, they do this, it's this pull. And then we have to wait for the bank statement to tell what is maybe bounced or what hasn't it takes about at least a week for it to clear. And I go unacceptable. That truly is in today's day and age uh, of fund transfers. Right. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'll connect you with a couple of the guys, Russell, that are that are more in line with this for for people that are operating their own portfolio. That like there are programs that literally will pull the report right out of accounting and tell you, you know, who's paid as of what day. They post it up on your own little portal. Like there there are a number of these that are that that are very effective. Um, so, and I, again, I think I think it would be a great work workshop or share yeah. with the with the type of people that are investing. Because, you know, again, that's this is where it's going. And, you know, the problem is we're all trying to get there at the same time. And the people providing the software are all trying to get there. And they're not quite there in a lot of cases either. But but this whole process has made it go much, much faster. Yeah. Well, hey, Dave, and I'm not I'm not trying to give you something more to do. And I know how sharp (laughs) of a guy you are and how forward thinking you are. I, I smelled a, a business, a new business of a business process of property management there in, in the wings. Busy enough right now. Thanks. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know. But, but I know, and I'm just sitting there thinking, and I, I'm going, you know, as you just kind of did it, you know, QuickBooks Online talks to HubDocs, which then talks to DocuSign, which then, which talks to your lead capture CRM, whether it be HubSpot or Infusionsoft or any of your ongoing marketing. It truly is, you can really set this up virtually. Yeah, I mean, in the property management world, they call it the tech stack. So it's your technology stack. And really what it is, is you you literally sit down and you 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 draw out the technology stack of where each of these parts works together. And then you find all the pieces that don't talk to each other. And then you say, okay, now how am I going to make these pieces talk? Or is there a better piece of software? And, and so, yeah, that's, again, that's part of why we wanted to get in the property management side, because um, again, this will not be new news to anyone on this call. You see something, you want to change it. You think, oh, this is such a no-brainer. I think I'll just call the property manager and get them to change it. And then reality hits in and they go, I don't know how to tell you how much rent has been collected and we're 10 days into the month. Yeah. And and, so, and then you get the response of, well, this is the way we've always have done this. Right. And then I call my property manager and they push a button and they send me the report and they say, as of today, we're 82% 
and tomorrow at five o'clock they push the same button and it tells me I'm at eighty six percent. So it's it, it's it's it is it is about it is about the technology. Um, and and again, I I'm not the person to solve this, but there will. There's no question in my mind that there are people in this space that are that are solving this right now for individual investors. And I guess, you know, if anything, I would say to everyone on this call, hey, wake up call. If you're if you're going to stay in this business and you're going to buy more properties and you're going to expand and you're going to use this as an opportunity to come out of this better than what you went in at, put your head down and start figuring that out, because that's that's a game changer. Well, if you really think about it, uh, truly, the analogy I would use is the property management and how you handle the operation on a day-to-day basis would be like the fishbowl. And the fish inside can only, you can only have so many fish and the fish will only get so big as the bowl can hold. You want to have more fish, you need to build a bigger aquarium, right? How was that for a good analogy, eh? <laughs> got it. Got it. So, uh, so, so Dave, uh, so, so you, I'm coming back to, so you're originally from Alberta, is that correct? Correct. Well, good Albertan can get in, could can actually like this kind of technology stuff too. Eh? Us, 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 us prairie folk can can understand these kind of thing too, can't we? That and Ryan Coke. Yes. <laughs> I had a, a good friend that his name is Ryan, and he always would have a Ryan Ginger. <laughs> um, so speaking of that, a little bit of a segue into um, you have a portfolio of properties, and you have both sides of the border in Canada and the U.S. Are you seeing anything different across the border of what's happening, maybe Canada versus the U.S. and vice versa? Well, we're building in Canada, so yeah. the big the big difference is we're building, and we have one of our one of our condo buildings in Victoria, actually in Langford, is completing June one. So um, we were very lucky because, as you remember, they were talking about shutting down all construction, and they kept construction going with social distancing. So all of a sudden, our last month of work suddenly became three months because you just, you know, you can't have the plumbers in the suite finishing at the same time that the cabinet, you know, like there's a, there's now a sequence and much fewer people on site. So our property in Victoria, uh, we literally, you know, 60 days ago, the, we were coming into the best time of selling the units, especially locally. Right. So, so, you know, we're sitting there going, wow, this is, this isn't good. Here's our, here's our, Here's our Christmas season to be selling condos. Um, we'd sold about 50, 55% of the building. Um, and and the traffic was really good. Like business was good, traffic was good, and then boom, overnight, it just dried up. So we've sort of lost 60 days. Um, it feels like it opened up again this week. Like this week, the traffic on-site team is reporting traffic and leads like we haven't seen in two months. Um, so that that's feeling really good. Um, and kind of for the first time, you know, the real, the real seriously interested investors that want to buy in Victoria are suddenly kind of raising their hand going, Hey, what kind of deals are out there? And, you know, some of them are coming in at crazy, ridiculous prices that we're not taking, but other people are coming in going, Hey, you know, you guys have had slow sales. If you're looking for a couple of sales, I got, I got a price you might not be crazy about, but so, so that's, so I guess I, I would say that in Canada, we feel like we're right at the beginning of the world kind of reopening. Um, and, you know, the nervousness of how bad it was going to be and how long it's going to look, it, you know, now that you're out of the fear part and we're actually seeing traffic again, it's starting to feel 
kind of pretty like we feels like we're going to be back to something fairly normal right. quite quickly. Okay. And in the States, is that similar or is it kind of a, and I'm using the States as I know it's a big place, right? In the markets that you're investing in, is it starting to come a little bit out of the, uh, out of the fog a bit? Well, we're really lucky because we're in Texas and Arizona. And I would say much like, I feel like we're lucky in BC because I really feel like we're on the, we're on the best end of the spectrum in terms of having, being in, in areas where we're the least affected by the virus. Yeah. Right. I mean, and I say that we're in we're in, we're in Arizona. We're not in New York City. Right? right. New York City. I don't know. I don't know what the timing is going to be coming out of New York City. And but but you know, both Phoenix and Texas seem to be you know relatively cautious. They're not. They're not. You know, it's not like reckless abandon. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So, you know, and B and BC in particular, I think I think we have one of the more cautious approaches of pretty much all the provinces. Yeah. I feel in Canada, so what so did, I think it was something you you'd posted, and wasn't it something as a forecast that a lot of people were going to be moving from California back to, and back uh, to Arizona? Yeah, I mean, crazy statistic is Apartments.com did a survey of all the Californians that were searching on Apartment.com, and they found that. of the searches in the last 30 days in LA have been for people looking to rent apartments outside of the state of California. So if you think about it, that tells you, you know, so, so again, you know, if I'm an, if I'm a real estate investor, it doesn't matter what market I'm in, what I want to be thinking of. So for us, we're in Arizona, we're in Texas. I know statistically that a lot of the people that leave Los Angeles and San Francisco moved to Arizona and Texas. So that tells me that at some point here, if that stat continues to flow through, we're going to see continued good migration into those states. So then I would say to you, pick what city or what province you like in Canada and go and figure out the same math, right? Because the same math exists. We all know, look where people are moving, where jobs being created. That's not going to change in all this, right? Why do I love Victoria? Because, you know, 25% of Albertans still plan to retire, still plan to move to Victoria, right? 50,000 jobs in Victoria are government workers. That's not going to change. So how do I get, how do I get stability and continue job growth? Um, Because it isn't, you know, coming out of this, it isn't just about where can I go and buy the cheapest piece of real estate, right? Where can I go and buy, buy something that I get a good deal on, but but you, where am I going to get that acceleration? Because I think the market's going to take off. Yeah, yeah. Now, are you seeing, is your portfolio primarily like, um, if you were to qualify your tenant profile, there would they be more um, lower middle, middle, upper middle? Like, would you, and here's the question I'm eventually getting to, is are you seeing any differences in um, vacancies based upon like some socioeconomic conditions or, or things like that? I mean, we're really lucky because we're mostly in B minus B buildings that we've moved from a B minus to a B or a B to a B plus. We have definitely seen through this that a lot of people. So let's say in in Phoenix, a B building fully renovated rents for twelve hundred dollars a month and and an A building rents for two thousand dollars a month. So we are definitely seeing people move out of the brand new A buildings and into the twelve hundred dollar a month fully renovated B building. Right, uh, and they're clearly having a harder time collecting on the C buildings 
you know, the, the, the C buildings. And again, you know, one of the things in the States is the governments have thrown a lot of money at rent relief. So if someone didn't pay your rent in the States, a lot of it was because they were just naive and they locked their door and said, I'm not paying. You can do what you want. But really, all they had to do was raise their hand and say, look, I, I don't have the money. And we would walk them down to the rent relief agency, help them fill in the application and help them get the money. So most people that could qualify, all you had to do was, so we, we had to redirect an entire part of our team yeah. to just become, you know, paper paper handlers to help people fill them in. And sometimes, right. much like you've probably seen is, you know, you're five, six, seven days into the month and no one's no one's answering their phone or their doors. And they're just thinking, if I don't open my door, we'll just ride this thing out, right? But really what they needed to do was say, hey, I can't pay my rent. So, you know, we put flyers under their door. We did all kinds of things to just educate them that, hey, we can help you get this rent relief money, but yeah. you need to you need to do it. Well, and I'm not not going to make a comment, but uh, some people actually got a pay raise by sitting at home. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I I, I don't think the government is going to will ever come out of this not not feeling like they didn't throw enough money at it. Right. Right. Hmm. Interesting. So that's that's that Justin Trudeau you elected, Russell. <laughs> yeah. Well, so so really think about it. Is um, you guys are actually in a really you know pardon a gold a Goldilocks analogy. You guys are right in the the sweet spot where you're getting people that were paying higher rent moving potentially down something they could afford, and maybe the bottom tier that were marginal that might not pay they might move out to rent something a little bit cheaper. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's no question, you know, when you when you look at it and you say multifamily real estate is one of the it is a flight to safety and it is one of the more recession proof uh businesses, right? So if you look at you look at every space that you could be in, it's a whole bunch of people having to pay their rent. Yes, you're going to have some challenges. Um but again, I think it's the key. The key is to pick the best markets that you can choose. Obviously, yeah. um, you know, and and the, the, clearly the higher end properties in Vancouver and Toronto have done very well on percent of rent collected. Um, you know, I understand some of the smaller towns and the C buildings have done, you know, have done a fair bit lower. But again, you know, you know, what's what's the value in that data? The value in that data is go choose the markets you'd really like to be in and go figure out where the 75% of the rent is collected. And maybe that's going to be a starting point of where you should be writing offers. Um, because someone who's only had 75% of their rent collected has had huge fights with their tenants, probably didn't spend any money fixing the house up and they, and the house is probably in need of repair. You know, maybe there's an opportunity to go in and put an offer in on that place and come away with it. Well, actually, that's the next question I was going to ask is, are, are you actively um, writing some offers and seeking some acquisitions right now? So it's funny. We had our first acquisition meeting this week. Uh, the first, I mean, we've had acquisition meetings, but this was the first one where there's actually deals coming onto the table. And, um, you know, for us, I think, you know, step one is we're going to see what the opening looks like in all these states. Um, I guess really step one for us was, you know, bar the back door and make sure that we were really in good shape on the 50 buildings that we currently own. Yeah. Right. And so, because if you really, if you really, if you really think about it, what's going to, what's going to keep you, what's going to keep your clients invested with you if you have JV partners or people that are giving you money is them having an understanding 
that this isn't a game where you're taking their money to try and make the highest return. We're in a time where they want to know you're doing everything in your power to preserve their cash. Yeah. Right. So, so that's really what, as much as anything, what for us the last 60 days or so has been about how do we, how do we absolutely make the decisions? We slowed down on renovations. We did a whole bunch of things. And how do we communicate that so that coming out the other end, people feel safe that they haven't given you the money and, you know, you're acting like a, a wild cowboy with their money, right? Yep. Yep. So, so that, so that's number one. And then I think number two is coming out is, you know, you can talk theoretically about what you think the deals are, but until you actually go out and analyze a bunch of deals and write a few offers, you're really not going to know what people are accepting or not accepting or, or what their what their level of interest is, you know, what are the deals looking like that are coming through realtors? What, how do you find deals off market? All those kind of things. But, but so you know, we're we're deep now in analyzing several deals. Does it mean we'll buy them? Don't know. Um, but you know, again, and a lot depends on you know what we really see coming out of this coming yep. out of this as as we reopen. Yeah. And, and, and so obviously you're probably pricing in if you're, when you do analyze the deal, you're probably pricing in a fear factor into it and making the, you know, what an old mentor of mine says, you don't, you don't buy like you sell, right? (laughs) Right. You have a completely different offer process to when you're buying than when you want to sell, you want to sell at the high and you want to buy at a low, right? Obviously. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting because we're seeing a couple deals right now that the price isn't, it's not like there's this you know, twenty percent below what they what they would have sold for two months ago, but there's a reduction in the price. But the reality is, they're completely untouched, unrenovated buildings, which are really hard to find. So going into this, you know, there would have been ten people bidding on this building. Now there's a lot fewer people. People are still dealing with what they're dealing with. So you look at it and you go, hey, there may be some opportunities just to get a product that previously you wouldn't have been able to get. Now we know if it's completely unrenovated, you know how much money you can make off it by taking it through the renovation process. So, yeah. you know, there may be a bit of that because if you own a product today in any market that was completely unrenovated, you've probably had a tougher time than most keeping it full. Right. Right. Yeah. Because because if you're in an unrenovated suite somewhere and you've been in there in shelter in place for sixty days, you know, you're probably ready to jump out a second story window. Yeah. <laughs> Even in a brand new place, right? <laughs> it, it's funny. We 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 all know. Um, let's put it this way: I've never seen the person that comes by and collects the recycling before the recycling truck comes. I have never seen them more loaded with wine bottles and beer, and beer cans and stuff like that ever. It's actually a probably he's doing he's doing quite well for himself. I would imagine. True that, eh? So so really. Um, you prescribe to something that I've been training in with my community is, you know, defense and offense defense first. Did you ever play lacrosse as a, as growing up, Dave? Not lacrosse. No, uh, there's a term in lacrosse is called protect the house where essentially when they're coming down there, you form a semicircle around the goal with the sticks and you're ready and you protect the house. And then, and then once you've got the ball back, then you move up as a cohesive unit up the court on the offense. Right. So you guys have got your house in order, you protect the house, and now you're starting to sit there and go, okay, what is going to come out of all this? Is that what you guys are doing? I'd say that's a very good assessment. You bet. Oh, awesome. And was there a moment where you decided when that pivot come, came, or was it just that, you know, we've got our house in order, and now let's start moving forward? Was there a moment, like if somebody's sitting here and going, 
you know, if they're wondering if they should be on the acquisitions or on defense, what, what's, what's uh, some advice you'd give them there? Well, I mean, I think you got to open, you've got to open your mind to it because, you know, even if you start tomorrow, you know, it takes a long time to get the snowball rolling down the hill. Yeah. Like you're going to, you're not going to go look at the very first deal and go, I think I'll go buy this. Now that you may, but that's not generally how it works. It's generally, you're going to look at a whole bunch of different deals and eventually fourth deal, sixth deal, 10th deal in, you're going to go, Hey, I really like this because now you've got some points of reference, but, but it literally is almost, it's almost like starting all over again of going, okay, now, you know, now we have to really start thinking about the acquisitions and, you know, where do you want to be? And, you know, maybe, maybe some of the neighborhoods, you know, Hey, like if someone said to me, perfect example, would you buy in Houston right now? Uh, I would have second thoughts. Right. Be worried about oil, oil and gas. What's going to happen, right? If I could buy something in the medical district in Houston right now, I would buy it in a New York second, right? It's billions and billions are being poured into expanding the, the MD Anderson and the medical center and all the jobs. And it's, that's as stable as a market as you're going to find anywhere in the U S and, and literally we, we didn't see a rent payment glitch. We didn't see an occupancy glitch. You know, it just was phenomenal. So you look and you go, you know, you, you think it through when you're buying the biz, the building, how good that is. But now it really sends home the message that if I get another chance to buy in that neighborhood, I, I have a much higher value to that, to that asset in that neighborhood. So again, you know, what I would do is I would, I would, again, if you own 10 properties, I'd look at the 10 properties you have and say, really, where are the three that I like the most? And how do I go replicate those? Can I buy more in that neighborhood? Can I buy, you know, can I buy more in that city, in that neighborhood? Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. I had a good conversation with a good friend the other day and he said, there's definitely, he's moving, he's moving full force onto starting to get into acquisition. He said, Russ, there's three things we need in this. We need three C's. We need capital, we need credit <laughs> and we need courage. So there you go. The three well, C's. And, but, but again, you answered my perfect question. Yep. It's not courage. It's yep. knowledge because the only thing that I have different than you to say, why, why, and again, if you said to me, Dave, would I invest in retail right now? I would run for the hills. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not courageous. It just means I don't know enough about retail. But I would guarantee you, if you got an expert on here who says, here's three things we're doing with retail, yep. I might take a step back and go, wow, that's really smart. That You're right. That's where, that's where you're going to buy retail and reposition it, yep. right? As a starting point, no, I would never invest in retail. I think it's going to get killed. All, a lot of these restaurants and stores aren't coming back. What's going to happen, right? But well, somebody, you know, when you see when you see big companies telling their employees to work from home forever, right? You know, I have a feeling one of the things I think is going to be a, a trend is people are going to relook at their houses a little bit more than before. And you and I had that conversation a week ago. Is People are going to look at their theater rooms and their multi-purpose rooms and the living room that nobody does anything in, and they're going to go, well, there we need home offices space now. No, you're right. So, so again, I think the, the courage is right, but it's how do you get – the only way you're going to get the information to decide if you can buy is to step into the arena you're trying to buy in and start getting some points of reference. Right. Absolutely. Right. 
my so the next thing we're gonna we'll wrap up here shortly, Dave. So I know how busy you are, and I just wanted to just first of all thank you very much for taking time out of your out of your busy day. I have two um, t- realms of questions, and I combine this next one together. Um, I'm a firm believer in in communications and the messaging that you put out, and and a lot of things come down to the the communications. Um, how are you communicating with a couple things with with your team, your internal team, and how are you communicating with your 1,400 plus investors? Have you changed your messaging? Um, like, what are you are you communicating more rather than less? Like, what are, what are you doing in that realm? Um, quite a bit more. Um, so first of all, with the investors, we do uh, every two weeks, we have a webinar uh, and we just provide an update on everything, rent collection. We now have a daily tally. So we show the percentage every day. Um, some people call, we we send that to them. Um, but, but every two weeks, we're providing an update of where we're at, um, you know, just, just kind of all the latest news. And really, also share with them how the business is transforming and what things we're really pushing with that part of that transformation right so that they can also see some the good that should come out of this right yep. uh you know and just i mean the fir- the first part is just is just giving them the confidence that there's the right teams at the helm and that you know we're we're progressive with what we're doing so so i think that part's been very good the staff we do a we do a huddle every monday at 1:30 uh, so we get everyone on the call. Each department goes through an update. That's phenomenal. And Janet's unbelievable at the culture stuff. So every Wednesday at three o'clock or four o'clock, we do what's called Wine Wednesday. And uh, we have games. We have, uh, it's about an hour. We have a couple of people that are really good on the guitar. They play a song. Um, we do, you know, different people do slideshows. And so it's it's just really a good way for for the whole team to just go around and, and, you know, kind of everybody adds a little bit to it and you just, you really get caught up on everybody in the company. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's funny, you were saying, you know, we're going to go to this world where there's no offices. Um, all the young people in the company are just thrilled. My God, we're coming back. The office is going to be reopening. I can't wait to go back into the office and see everybody. All the old people are like, I don't want to go back to the office. I don't want to commute anymore. I'm happy working out of my house. So I think it's a, I think it's quite a mixed bag. But I yeah. think if you, if you just go down the path and say, you know, I assume that no one's going to want to go to the offices. There's certainly an element of people that that want the socialization of of working. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, there's, it's absolutely. There are going to be changes that are going to come out of all this that we don't even know. Right, right? and that's what I'm telling people is. A lot of people are fear fearing the unknown, but there's actually on the other side is why not be excited because there's entire things that you don't even know what are going to come out of this as well at the same time. So, very true, very true. Um, I'm going to leave. Uh, I'm going to offer you something here before we sign off, Dave, and I'm going to give you the final word here and just give you some thought. Uh, give some thought to it. Is I want to. I want you to leave with some. Uh, leave everybody with some inspiring words here in a second. And maybe just an inspiring final message and those kind of things. But before that, I just wanted to offer you um, something. And I know I said this when we did the video the last time, but your 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 generosity in your help and your generosity in just sharing um, unconditionally with people that want to listen and your generosity of everything that you've ever done for myself, my team, my family, everything. You've opened your home up. You've, you've been more than gracious 
um, with everything and sharing your inspiration and uh, taking people under your wing, if you will, and just and just you know, just helping. And I just wanted to not let it go by without saying a big thank you from the entire community of real estate investors that we are in good hands with you in our community and everything you've instilled into a lot of us, we are taking that forward to the next generation as well. So I just wanted to let you know that. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, it's a, that's a heavy, that's a heavy intro to saying a few words about that. Um, I mean, first of all, I think if we all have an opportunity to do anything to help anyone right now through this, it's a great opportunity for us to step in and see where we can help. Um, you know, I think I think we're all generally pretty blessed coming out of this. Um, you know, I think a lot of industries have been really hard hit. I don't feel like housing generally is one of those um, is one of those areas that that is going to come out feeling that way. So, um, so I, th- I think we're really really lucky. Um, the most important thing I would tell you is that whatever you do coming out of this isn't what I tell you to do or what Russell tells you to do. It's it's what you decide to do. You know, you said something earlier, Russell, which is, you know, I've decided I'm going to I'm going to play bigger. I'm going to play larger. So whatever your mindset is to do this, that is the mindset that you'll go forward coming out of this with. If it's, I really want to get better at being in the multifamily or in the rental real estate investing world, I want to get better at it and I want to get committed to be better at it. That, that I think is what's really going to be your takeaway. So, so to me, I could tell you any, you know, I could tell you any number of things, but the only thing I really think that matters is, is, you know, you can, you can leave and go decide that you want to, play in a much bigger field, you can really get committed to doing it. Or you might become one of the people that says, hey, this isn't for me. I'm going to be part of the people that are going to fall away from this business, which means you're probably going to be selling your properties to someone else on this call who's who who wants to be a player and step into this business. Yep. Wow. Awesome. Couldn't have said it better myself. So so really, at the end of the day, you do you, I'll do me, right? And just and just be genuine and be authentic to what you want to do, and you know, potentially call it some bullshit on yourself if you're telling yourself some lies too, right? Hundred um, percent. So, Dave, a couple things. Um, if somebody was to send you a bottle of something as a gift, what is the Dave Steele's drink of choice? Is it a scotch uh, or is it a wine? What is a red, it? A nice red Merlot. Red Merlot. Any country of or- origin? <laughs> no, I'm I'm not a wine snob. Grew no, up in you're, Alberta. You're, Grew up in Alberta where we drank two bucks, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm familiar with that. <laughs> Growing up on the prairies. So yeah. awesome. Um, where where would somebody be able to get a hold of you, Dave, if they wanted to check out uh, a project that you have on the go? Yeah, you can or... shoot me an email at dave at wcpg.ca, like California, dave at wcpg.ca, or you could just shoot me a text on my cell phone, yeah. 604-789-5524. Yeah. And can you repeat that one more time, Dave? 604-789-5524. 5524. And best website? Uh, WesternWealthCapital.com is our U.S. stuff. And WCPG.ca is our project in Victoria. Awesome. And I'll tell you what, guys, um, if you want a study of probably one of the best websites, uh, if you're raising capital, um, I recommend you guys' website all the time as probably one of the best of the best. 
out there of, of what you, you do, everything from your funnels, um, your introduction, the things I actually diagram out what you guys do within your ladder to get people in. Cause I think it's a study of the best. And when we, we led off this conversation before with talking about the, the, the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan. Um, I know I'm putting some heavy weight on you, but you and your team are probably one of the greatest of all time within this space of real estate investors. So thank you. It's very nice. Thank you, Russell. All right, guys. So with that being said, uh, send some love and uh, fire off a thank you note. We always send thank you notes. So hope you guys have yourself a wonderful day. Bye for now. All right. So what did you think? Wasn't, you know, first of all, doesn't Dave just come across as one of those guys? It comes across like almost like your, your, your best friend or, or almost like your uncle, Uncle Dave, if you will. And he's just such a down to earth guy. He's just got a wonderful sense of humor. He just has um, just a way of phrasing things that just even, you know, this simple old farm boy from Saskatchewan can even understand. And, you know, I, I love the story <laughs> towards the beginning where he was, he, he honestly had forgotten how many properties that they had bought and his business partner, Janet, who, you know, I have a note into Janet to get Janet on the podcast and an interview as well. She's just a phenomenal um, real estate investor and, and business operator and, and team leader. But he had forgotten that, you know, geez, oh, oh, I misplaced $1.8 billion of real estate. Oh, well, oh, another day at the office. <laughs> So, so it would be nice to be get for all of us. That's, that's actually what I wish that I have for everyone listening to this is we all get to that point where we just misplace a $1.8 billion worth of real estate or, or whatever the number was that, that Dave was talking about. But, you know, you get the message is that you, the number gets so large that it almost becomes inconsequential and you don't actually know the exact number on a day-to-day -day basis. Okay, guys, so I sure hope you enjoyed this one. Um, as I mentioned in the beginning, Dave has been a gracious contributor to the Raising Capital Academy on multiple on multiple times. Dave and I sat down and did a standing on the shoulders of giants where we sat down on a three camera video shoot. And he just, uh, you know, we went back like almost 40 years into some things. And and the big thing he really shared about in that presentation that he and I did was hiring the best of the best, building out that team. The Who Not How. Remember that book I recommended to you guys at the very beginning? Dave and I talked about The Who Not How um, long, be <clears throat> excuse me, long before that book even ever came out. Okay? So it is all about the people. It is all about the team. It is all about the um, leadership and helping others succeed in what they're doing. And by you helping out more people succeed what, you're, what they want to do, you will accomplish your goals at the same time. Now, we all have the same challenges, potentially, you know, where some of us might be just sitting here and maybe you're, you're, you're self-managing your portfolio. Okay. And um, you're struggling on, geez, well, how am I going to add a few more places to the mix when I can barely even handle the, the four units I'm already doing? Okay. It, the answer does come down to the who, not the how. Who do you need to bring on in order to help you grow and scale your business? That's one of the things that most of the coaching clients I work with, I help them do within the scaling is it's not a matter of, do you need to know more? Do you need to know another strategy? Do you need to know another one of this? Who do you need to bring on? Who do you need to become in order to free yourself up to focus on your unique gifts and abilities? Who do you need to show up? 
up as who do you need to hire? Who do you need to outsource in this process to multiply your time? And that's how you can start growing and scaling your business. Okay, guys, uh, one last thing I'm going to leave off with before we do finally end off here is, is, uh, is thank you. Uh, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening, for subscribing, for all the feedback, and most importantly, for sharing this message. Sharing is caring. And if there, whoever come across in any of your networking or any of your Facebook groups, if anybody is sitting there looking for a podcast recommendation, please just send it my way. All you have to do is just say, you know, just go Google Russell Westcott and uh, check out his podcast. I really enjoy it. There's so many lessons in there. There's life lessons, there's motivation, there's inspiration, there's sales, there's negotiation, there's raising capital, there's tactical how-tos, there's five-part training programs. It's actually a podcast you can learn something as opposed to a podcast that you just passively listen. If you could do that, would be that's all I ask as a fee for putting the time and effort to put all these resources together for you. Okay. With all that being said, you know how I end off all these episodes. So guys, remember, in every interaction you have with another person, always, always, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.